podcastjuice.net. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Michael Dean Show here on podcastjuice.net. I be Michael Dean. And joining me today is Mr. Q Storm. Sir, how are you? You know, I seem to remember this show. Uh, it's been a it's been a minute, but uh, yeah, you, you Michael Dean, right? Michael Dean. Uh, that would be I, yes, sir. You was one, yeah, you was one of the two nigs that the show that got canceled, right? <laughs> oh, and who was the other nig? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that name anymore. Oh, here see. I don't, I don't associate see, with the nigs. See how hey, I got you guys some coffee. See, I got you guys some coffee. <laughs> See how Negroes take a, a nice joke and then they try they go deep. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking myself, uh, Mr. Security Guard. But we'll get into that wow. later. Wow! <laughs> you calling me Finn? You just called me Finn. <laughs> I got your coffee, boss. You got any sugar, boy? All right. Anyway, uh, also it's Mr. Sean Hill, sir. How are you? Uh, you guys may remember me. I'm the one of the hosts of the show we used to do called the Movie HQ. You maybe you heard of it. I I, I don't Damn. know or not, but uh, <laughs> who wouldn't be this? Who wouldn't be the same guy who uh, used to do Hill Street uh, views? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yes, I'm that. I'm that guy. I had to stop doing it because oh, it's a long story why I had to stop doing it. But I am back from the dead. I am here and ready to get it on. All right. Well, we're here. That's all that matters. Uh, stop bringing up old shit. <laughs> all right. Well, today, man, we're going to get into uh, the movie Detroit. The movie that just came out. Um, I actually was not anticipating to go see this movie. Um, I hadn't seen too much advertising. I did hear about it, but I wasn't paying too much attention to it. But in the last week or so, I started really hearing about it and started seeing other reviews. And I was like, yeah, let me go check this out and see what's going on. I, you know, I w- I'm going to say this. I saw reviews from uh, some of my favorite reviewers. Um, and, and I'm going to say this because I think it's relevant to this particular conversation. You know, they're white. They're white. <laughs> they're white. <laughs> and they just had an interesting... Their, their reviews just struck me as interesting because they were like really like reflective and uh somber if i can say that and and i was like oh maybe i need to go watch this movie because they normally review you know the sci-fi comic book and all that kind of stuff but they all seem to take a pause on this one you know and just the way they were talking about it so anyway uh the movie detroit directed by kathleen bigelow Catherine, uh, it's Catherine Bigelow. Catherine, I'm sorry, Catherine Bigelow. Um, it's a big cast, but uh, some of the names that jump out at you: John Boyega, uh, Finn himself, Anthony Mackie's in this. Uh, Jason Mitchell played Easy E, Strata Compton. Uh, Will Poulter, if I'm saying his name right, you may not know that name, but you've seen his face before, and he has one of those kind of faces that he looked like he up to something. <laughs> he was in uh, Meet the Millers. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. Yep. He was, he was, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, he was a stereotype. Wasn't he in? Wasn't he in uh, the Narnia movies or something? The what? Nar- Narnia? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Uh, hmm. Well, Maybe. he just had, he has a look to him. Um, and then uh, a somewhat of a newcomer, but 
Uh, you will probably know him as Ralph Tresvant from the New Edition movie. Yes. Uh, Algie Smith. Oh, and, is that who that was? I thought he looked, you know, I thought yeah. it was Lawrence Tate for a second. <laughs> See, I, I was saying that too. I thought maybe that was his younger brother or something. He looked just like him at times. It was, it was very eerie. But he was excellent. We'll get into that. But anyway, the movie uh, is about, well, it takes place during the 1967 riots in Detroit. But the actual movie is really about the events that take place at the Algiers Motel. And for the most part, this is a true story. It was based on a true story. Some of the things have been changed, just like any other biopic sort of movie or movie that, you know, reenactments of, of different things. But uh, before we get into all of that, I want to get our just off the cuff opinion review of the movie and then we'll dive deeper and i'll say this for right now be no spoilers um we're gonna do our review we'll take a break and then we'll get into spoilers because i want to make sure you guys can hear a review without us spoiling it too much so i'm gonna turn it over to q storm q man what did you think of detroit well um it's funny i said this what i'm about to say uh, about another film this year, and I can't remember the name of the film. For me, um, I guess, to me, it seems like this film was marketed... I, I went in expecting something, was expecting one thing, based on the trailer. All right, Sean, don't say nothing. Okay. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I, I went in expecting one thing based on the trailer, and I got something totally unexpected. Um... And it's a case where my expectations were a little dashed. And it may have influenced how I looked at the film. And I'll just say in one sentence, I wish this film hadn't been called Detroit. I wish it had been called Algiers or Algiers Motel. Because it was not the, it didn't have the scope that I thought it was going to have. Now, that's not a complaint. It's just me saying I, I had to kind of readjust my parameters as the movie went on and I think it did kind of prejudice me a little bit um, I here, here's my thing I, I'm going to say my problem with the film and it makes it sound like I think it was a bad film I don't necessarily think it was a bad film my problem with the film is that again oh the, the movie was Hidden Figures it re- it, it was similar to for me in, to Hidden Figures in that I felt it was a story that on its own merit could have been told um, more straightforward than the screenplay allowed it to be. What do I mean by that? Okay. I feel like... Now, now let, me, let me preface that with this. I am kind of, I guess, ashamed to say... While I, in the back of my recesses of my mind, I was familiar with something going down at the Algiers Motel during Detroit riots, I didn't realize that it had a life of its own, this story, okay? I didn't know the details. So, as I'm watching this movie, not only am I wondering, did this really happen? Because I'm thinking... Boy, they've really—they're really dramatizing this thing or this this story. This, did this story actually happen? There's no way this actually happened. I found out that it did happen. Okay, fine. So then I found myself thinking, this is one. This is a huge story. 
So the problem I had was why does the screenplay feel the need to be written in such a fashion that it feels like it has to goose me in a certain way as an audience viewer? In other words, why does some of the dialogue sound so overwrought when the story itself would be enough for me to feel something about this story? I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, but let me step back a bit. I, I just felt like I would have enjoyed this better if, if it had been more honest in terms of the writing, in terms of I don't really need to have the dialogue be so on the nose that, I, that it tells me these are the bad guys, these are the innocents, and these are the good guys trying to do their job. There was too much of that, and I'm not going to get into detail until we go into the other part of this film, but it just the story should have been allowed should have been allowed to breathe more and live on its own just give it to me straight don't try to don't try to manipulate me so much because the actions that happen in this film are enough for me to feel something okay there's that second thing is i just didn't feel like i going into the meat of the story I didn't feel like I identified, I, I could didn't feel anything for any of these characters because they weren't developed enough. And part of that is because the movie goes from perspective to perspective to perspective as opposed to sitting on one person's perspective. That one person I identify with and takes me through this story, okay? I just, I, it hopped all over the place and I just... I mean, in any other film, any other film, if it had been written by anyone else or d d done in a different way, I would have been up there in that theater crying my ass off. I'm not ashamed to say that. But as it is, as things, the story went along, I just did not feel anything because I didn't feel like I knew these people well enough. So it was, a, I think it was a great story that was poorly written. The direction I had no problem with, but the screenplay I had a huge problem with. And that's what marred my quote unquote enjoyment. Not that this film was one to be enjoyed, but that's what brought the film down for me, the screenplay. And we can get into details in the next segment. So what would be your overall rating of this movie? I would give this movie two and a half stars out of five. Wow. And I get I give it that half star because because when I left the theater, for some reason, I started feeling angry. So the, so the film did work on me, but it was like I had to stop and put the pieces together myself and do away with all the dialogue that wanted me to feel a certain way instead of just letting the story be, just let it naturally weave its story, its narrative, and I would feel that way during the film. All right, all right. Well, I'll, I'll give my review. I, I'm not going to counter anything you said at this point. <laughs> I, I saw this. Here's my review. I will say this off the top. The movie was a masterpiece. Uh, I, have, I also have to say this. I have to separate how I'm going to review this movie as opposed to what I thought about what's going on in the movie. You know, I have to, I'm going to try and keep that separate for a second. As just as a movie itself, uh, the word gripping comes to mind. This movie is almost a horror movie. Uh, it's a very suspenseful movie to me. Uh, and it's a movie, and I think what Q was saying at the end, he said he, 
it, it worked on him or he felt something. This is one of those movies that you'd be hard pressed not to get into your emotions one way or the other because of the subject matter and the fact that this is real. Uh, for me, just when the movie starts, and I and I was and I have to say I thought it started great, but then I also think it should go deeper, and I'll explain myself. It starts with this animation of the great Jacob Lawrence. I mean, you know, any well, he's a very uh, famous artist, African American artist, and it uses his paintings to sort of illustrate uh, black people migrating to Detroit and then white people leaving Detroit and the jobs and sort of trying to set the tone of what was going on at this particular time in 1967 in Detroit and why the riots sort of start. I will admit, I don't think it does a great job on showing you why the riots really happen. Uh, they show an incident where there's an under uh, an illegal club getting raided and then it just seems to me, I thought it was odd, it just started showing black people burning shit. <laughs> and I was like, there's something missing. There gotta be more because people are getting arrested that cats are just, man, let's just burn this motherfucker down. I, I was just like, eh. But I, but I know there's more, I just, they're not showing that. And I said, well, they want us to show what was going on during this time, not necessarily what their riot was really about. And that would, I could see how that would be dis, uh, misleading uh, because when you see it says Detroit and you see some of the imagery in the trailers, it does seem like, oh, this is going to be about the whole riots and stuff. That's kind of what we would think, expectations. But no, the movie is about the Algiers Hotel. So I was a little bit kind of wondering about that. But again, it to me was like... Uh, it's an adventure story because it was like a lot of these great adventure stories from back in the day. It was a multicast situation and it's sort of giving you a little bit about different people and they're all going to come together. And, it, you know, and, and we've seen that in, uh, it's going to sound crazy, like Towering Inferno or any of those sort of movies. It's, it's like a, almost like a space opera where here, I'm going to show you a little bit about this person, about this person in You'll see later how all that comes together. And I thought that's how this movie was sort of modeled like. So uh, I like that. It was interesting because it showed, one, I I was very much tripping about the whole dramatics. You know, the, 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 the R&B group, the dramatics are in this. And you kind of follow them for a second. I was like, whoa. And now me as being in music and stuff, I could, I could kind of relate to that. I was like, okay, they're trying to get on. But there's this thing going on, the riots, and my man, he wants to sing. And, and you can tell, you know, they're talented and the young brothers. I got that. Okay. And then they switched to a very interesting character played by John Boyega. And he has a spirit that uh, a lot of us brothers have had some of that spirit in us. <laughs> and we'll go deeper into him. But he's a he was a working man. Uh He's trying to stay out of the drama. He's trying to help his own brothers. But at the same time, he's soft shoe coney. And then he just throws the shoe out the water. But I, I thought he was a fascinating character because I could see what he was about. I was like, oh, okay. All right. I, yeah, this is, 
I know cats like this. I, I may even have some characteristics like this. You know, he's the go along and get along brother. He's a good brother. You know, he's that he's that black guy. So okay. There's some and he's got a he's not a police officer, but he's a security guard. And so he has some authority or he gets a pass a little bit. It's okay. And then we see, oh, they got some white girls in the mix. And they, you know, and this is 1967. This this ain't today. Even though some things that are the same back then was a little more blatant. And it's a little more, oh, you know, that's everybody's not riding with that. Almost, well, I'm not gonna say what I almost want to compare it to because that's another rabbit hole. But it's something that stands out. And particularly being in a very black area, Detroit, two white girls can stand out. So when I see that come into play, I'm like, oh, okay, whoa, this is going to be interesting. And then we see the the racist cop dude. And, and I'm like, okay, I see that cat, whoa. And they establish his mindset very early. And he's on some other stuff. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so when it all comes together to this moment at the hotel, I know a little bit about each character where I'm like, whoa, I, okay, let's see how this going to play. And then it just goes into, it's a torture thing. And I'm not going to do the whole movie, but I would just say it had me at the edge of my seat. I wasn't shocked by what was going on, per se, because we've seen this kind of stuff before. Now, I, I can see how some other people may watch this movie and, be, and they're going to be shedding tears of shame and guilt and all that other stuff. But I was just, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know how this is gonna go down, because we've seen this before. But the level of the brutality and the mind games was what was very interesting to me. And then the court case afterwards and how that played out. I was like, oh, see how they do. Uh, but the thing that really got to me was uh, we saw a father reaction to losing his son. And again, that's the kind of stuff that gets me personally. So they show the dad at his job. And by the way, I don't know the brother's name, but he plays Chris from The Wire. So that that cat, but he's a hardworking brother. And they go and tell you, something wrong with your son. You know, you say, nah, not, not my boy. Mm-mm. That whole scene and, and then him in the courtroom, that almost made me cry. I was like, damn, man. Because his son was a, was a good kid. And he's a hardworking man, just caught up in all the drama. I was like, damn, this is some bullshit right here, man. This is this is what's going on today. So all that to say is I thought the movie was excellent. Uh, it was a very suspenseful movie. I wasn't bored at all through the movie. Uh, does it play on your emotions? Uh, yes, a lot of movies do that. Yeah. You know, Tearjerkers do that. Adventure movies do that. Most movies do that. It's kind of, to me, that's the point of some movies is to get you feeling a certain way. Some get you feel patriotic. Some get you feel like, oh, I want to see the hero do a, save the day or someone to see you cry. Uh, this one wants to see you feel something, maybe some anger or whatever. So I don't fault it for doing what I think movies do. But I, I'm going to end mine to say is I thought the movie was excellent. One of the best movies I've seen all year. I put it up there with Get Out. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's a hard movie to watch, 
but that doesn't mean it's not good. Uh, so that's my review before we go into spoiler territory. Um, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to, to, if you wanted to jump in, Q. No, I mean you went a lot deeper than I thought we were gonna go, and, and you, you you pulled out certain scenes. I was gonna hold off on that, but um, yeah, like I said, you know, um, I'm I'm judging, and I hope I know Sean would appreciate this. I'm judging the film was objectively, you know, obviously being an African American male. I could go deep in and say, yeah, what I saw was fucked up as hell. Um, and, well, you know, well, right, and that's why I said we, I wanted to just talk about it as a movie first, and then we can get into the subject matter and, you know, these sort of things as, as well. But, yeah, just strictly just as a movie as itself, uh, I thought it was masterfully done. Yeah. But, but I understand your points, too. Yeah, there, there were moments where I, I felt like, you know, because... I, I'm not afraid to say. I'm not ashamed to say. I will go bitch at the drop of a hat if if you're telling your story right. <laughs> there were moments in this film, like what you mentioned with the dad and the son. I felt like, why am I not crying right now? And, and my and my answer to that is because it's not just enough to tell me that something happened. And the, and this is the results. I need to feel that person. I, I need to know that person from the way it's the way that person is is developed in the in the screenplay. And I, that just wasn't there for me. So yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And, and I'm not. Uh, it's an interesting thing that you say that. And I think this is, that's something that um, with real life events that can be a problem because it's like, well, this person's normal sort of situation may not be as enticing to a viewer but do we change it to make it more cinematic and make it so that you could really feel that person or do well, we I think that's what they alone? did I think you that's know? the problem I'm saying that this film did it made it too the, the screenplay made it too cinematic and again we're going to get into it but let me just say I don't know if you if either of you've seen the documentary Eyes on the Prize okay a long the, time ago a long time ago okay there's a there's a brief now this th- that's a documentary that it, it, I think it's 12 hours long, something like that. So obviously, maybe I'm being a little unfair because this thing had 12 hours. The documentary had 12 hours. But <laughs> okay. but what I'm yeah, saying is little. that there's a scene, there's a scene where uh, this guy, I can't remember his name, but he was in, he was imprisoned as a, as a kid and he's recounting a story. And he was, he tells a story about uh, his, his jail cellmate was ordered by um, white guards, white cell guards, whatever you call them, to beat this guy who's being interviewed, to beat him. And he says something like, um, you know, why, uh, I forget the, the, his cellmate's name, let's say Junior or whatever it was. You know, jun- while Junior was beating me, I saw that Junior was crying. And I knew that he was getting more, it was more painful for him than it was for me. And so now that moment to me, it was real. And it, it brought tears to my eyes because I felt like I knew this guy over watching him over the course of just an hour as he's being interviewed. And I did not feel, I mean, I felt, you know, obviously I felt a certain way, but it did not impact me the way it should have. Because like I said, I think the film, 
was a little bit too jumpy over too many different protagonists, if you will. Does that That's make sense? About yeah. It, it well, kinda, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sean. No, it kind of sounds like to me, of course, I haven't seen it yet, but it sounds like to me the film may be a bit unfocused in its in its presentation. Does it really focus on like one character or does it, does I, it kind of mean? It, it, well, it's focused on an event. It's yeah. about an event. It ain't about the character. That's the thing. Well, see, I it. disagree, though. I, yes, it, it's about an event, but an event still has to be seen through the lens of a character. And I, not necessarily, get, no, right. because again, it, it's more of a. If you look at more event films, they're not about singular viewpoints. They're about how they affect the people around them. I think this is what this movie is doing. I would dare say, and I can't remember her other movies, but are her other movies sort of event movies with a lot of characters surrounding those as well? Yeah, you can. Uh, I, sort of, yeah. I mean, she did uh, Hurt Locker, uh, Zero Dark Thirty, her most recent ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I'm not saying that it wouldn't be impactful the way you're describing if she made the movie the way you're talking about. But I just think that it sort of fits how they normally would make these types of movies. They're usually about how they affect people around. The star of the movie is the event, which I, it, which I would go back to say that it shouldn't be called Detroit. I, it should be called the Alt. It's not one person's viewpoint. Right, but I think that's the problem with the film that it that it tries to. Oh, I, I, it tries to show too many people's point of view. Sean, remember we talked about this with, um, I hate to compare uh, this movie to to The Force Awakens, but we, we talked about it the same way we talked about how in The Force Awakens, first you start off with Ray's perspective, then you start off, then you got Finn's perspective, then you've got Poe's perspective. It's like, can we settle down into one the linear themes, narrative see, The here? themes are totally different. It, it doesn't work in the it, it doesn't. That's you can't care. Those are two different types of movies about two. But very a story is a story. A, I, I, I no, no, a story is a story, but a story is not dictated by just one protagonist. A story can have many different styles. I don't disagree with that. What I'm what I'm saying is that you you can still you. I still think I think you need to have one main person who interacts with lots of different people, and we can learn about those lots of different people and their perspectives through the central person. See, I think the central person is the event. No, I because think... You're, you're, you're learning about the event and the other supporting people are the people around it. I don't. I can't think of any movie where the event drove the narrative that the, uh, that the uh, audience identifies with the event. You identify with people who are experiencing Towering the event. Yeah, you're identifying with people, not the event. Airport. You're identifying no, with people. They're all the people that support the situation. You take the situation out of it, there's no story. Well, that's the same with any story. What I'm saying, any story has to have a no, protagonist. And a, is a, but the protagonist here is the event, is what I'm saying. I disagree So you can't take you can't that's take not, this, you can't have this movie true. without the event. You can't have of this course, movie you can't have that. any movie without the event. You can say that about any movie. And that no, would, no, you can say that about true. any movie. If you don't have an event, you don't have a story. It can be about be about Ray. It doesn't have to be about any other situation. But it's about a whole. I said the movie you you just brought up as an example, The Force Awakens. Yeah. What's the event in that? The the there are a lot of events in that. (laughs) I know the the main event. The main the main event is uh, the rebels taking down the Star Killer base. So you can still have that having that event. What's that, Mike? I said you could still have the Star Wars movie without having that event in it. But that's the story that they chose to tell. 
you have to have an event in any movie, otherwise, what are you watching? Use that that argument about you, what you said about this movie. Okay, Mike. Let's 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 just set some ground rules here. First off, at least I don't know. For me, you got to let me finish talking so I can hear what you're saying, because I can't hear what you're saying if you talk. Perfect. Go ahead. Okay. What I'm saying is that you have to have an event in any story. The story is comprised of basically three uh, ele- basic elements. This goes back to the Greeks and Romans. Right. So I, I, but I, I didn't I get agree a chance to we, tell what it was. You got to have those signs. Oh, I agree with you. I, I'm going to save you and probably the listeners understand how stories are told. So we, we can both agree to that. We're going to have to go to the basics of that. We don't waste time. Like we understand. We both understand that. Right. Well, we disagree though. You, you're saying the main well, character stories to be told. You, we disagree that the main character is the event. I'm right. saying a character is a person. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And a person. So we disagree. Can... I understand. Sean, I mean, you haven't seen well, the movie, I... so I want you to contribute I... where you can on well, this now. Well, I, I think Mike has a point. Being given the the those disaster movies, uh, Tower Inferno, Poseidon Adventure, all of those, those are are kind of like event movies and the characters I won't say don't matter, but you can you can change them out and you still have the same event going on, you know what I mean? So I, I think he may be right with in this respect that so yeah. Well and, and that's all I was saying. To me to me, I'm not saying it to you, I'm saying to me this is an event movie. That's why I brought up earlier the Tower Inferno in those adventure type movies where it's always about the, the bigger cast is just the same interchangeable type of characters, but that event is the thing that, how does it affect them? And I think this is the same type of thing with this particular movie, but I understand how you feel that that's different. Can I just say one other thing? Sure, go ahead. All you're talking about, you, Sean and Mike, all you're talking about is uh, protagonists. Maybe there's multiple protagonists, but typically there's one central character. Who has it, and they deal with a conflict. That's the nature of any story. The conflict is, you're calling the conflict the event, which I agree with. But you cannot say that the conflict, you can't say the conflict or the event is the main character. I hear what you're saying. I I would say this, and I've only said this because I've studied this just because I've been been writing and stuff. Uh, If you actually go and look at different plot structures and different story, story types, uh-huh. There is an event type of story that the, the actual protagonist would be the event, which is to say, and, and I give you examples again, are event movies. You know, I think Armageddon would fall into this probably as well. Uh, those types of movies, uh, even Independence Day, I think, falls into this. See, the this. main character there is it's, Will Smith, isn't he? Actually, he's not. See, that, that's in a multiple cast. But again, I don't want it to keep going back and forth because I'm not here to change your mind. I would just say, go take a look at kind of what I'm saying. And I'll take a look at what you're saying, obviously, too. Uh, but I just kind of want to move forward a little bit. Um, oh, one thing I also wanted to mention in this movie that I thought uh, was the acting in this movie, to me, was top-notch. Uh, particularly uh, young man uh, Al G. Green, if I'm saying his name right. He played the, the singer guy from the dramatics. Uh, I thought he was fantastic. Uh, you know, again, I've only seen him in... Um, the new edition story, but to me here he just had the charisma. It went early, early in the movie when before all the shit started, 
I just loved his charisma. He was that smooth cat. He knew how to spit his game. He was he's a he's a singer in real life. Uh, he was sang beautifully. I just thought that he was excellent. Then when the movie turns into the horror thing, I just thought he was great. Uh, really blown away with him. Even the uh, the other guy stand out to me was the, the 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 police officer, the white guy. I thought he was fantastic. I wanted to whoop his ass for real. I just thought like he really played that character because. He, oh, yeah, he was a racist dude, but I think in his mind, he just thought he was doing the right thing. That's how he came off to me. It's like he's so far gone that he didn't he even other white people was like kind of like, dude, you can't just well, I'm doing my job, man. Uh, these people don't understand. You know, I was just like this dude, dude is crazy, but he played that character, man. I really thought the acting in this was even John Boyega, man. Listen, <laughs> I've seen him in other types of roles, obviously. My favorite being uh, Attack the Block, you know, allow that, you know, he's a badass in that. And then he played kind of the ex-knucklehead in that one Netflix movie. But I think he did his thing. He played that type of brother that just kind of, you know, trying to go along. And this dude ain't even an American. And just to me, I just thought he did his thing in this. man. I thought all the acting was top notch. I hope a lot of these kids go on to do other stuff, man, because I thought they nailed these characters, man. I was impressed. Uh, then white girls, I was impressed with that. The only person I wanted to see a little bit more of was uh, Anthony Mackie, but you know they didn't show much of his character. But I even liked him. You know, he was he was good in this too. But those other dudes stole the show. Al, Al G Green, that's my guy, man. He didn't he the next one to me. Uh, I had to give it up. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> oh, go, ahead. go ahead. I was gonna say, um, yeah. I don't know. I, it would be easier for me to point out the performances that I liked than the ones I disliked because I think there were more. I think some of the performances were either like overwrought or um, what's what's or, or understated. I thought John Boyega's character just a little bit too. I I know what he, I know what his character and see the thing is I know this is a real event based on a real event, but I'm, I'm going to judge this as the movie. I don't know whether they were telling the truth or... Well, we know they weren't because they say a lot of it was fiction. Some of it was fictionalized. So, based on that, I just thought he was his character was way too... I want to use the word monotonous. Like, I know what he was... I know what he was trying to do, trying to accomplish. But I, st- I, I still didn't feel... I felt like at some point, this guy, whether he goes off into a room or something, or when he, they're not... Cops aren't looking, I will see some mother... God damn it! Something! From this guy, I you thought, have a problem with his actions. Is that what you're saying? I didn't say that. I, I'm saying I understand why he behaved the way he did. He, you know, some people, as you said, might say he was soft shoeing. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I felt it at some point. I felt like his his tone was a little bit too flat. At some point, I wanted to see him express some anger. Maybe not in front of those cops. But maybe just a single shot of him, uh, like when he's coming around the corner to see what what's going on, or when he goes up to get that guy to save that guy, and he's looking for the for the gun. At some point, he's like he he unleashes something, some sort of emotion, and then he goes back to being, you know, the the quote unquote possible soft shoe. I just thought his tone was a little bit too even throughout the film. I thought the the main racist cop, 
I that act he's very intense. I've seen he was in he was in that comedy Meet the Millers, and from what I from the trailers at least, I didn't see the film. He seems very funny, so I applaud him. I I tip my hat that he can go from comedy to drama. I appreciate anybody that can do that. But he uh, it just seemed like he almost became cartoonish after a certain point. It, it became like too much. Um, ah, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I, he was I, in the Maze Runner. That's what I remember him from. Say again. Yes, he was in the Maze, uh, Maze, Maze Runner. Runner. Yes, yes. And he, yeah. he played the same asshole. Um, the two, the one, the one girl. I thought she was good. I thought the guy. Uh, what's his name? Algie Green. Is that what you're saying? His name was the lead singer. The, the singer. singer guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that dude looked, I thought for a long time, I had to, I had to, uh, Google on my phone in the theater. How old is Lorenz Tate? Cause I thought, <laughs> like, damn, Lorenz Tate is a vampire or something. Cause he, this dude does not age, but it turns out he just, he's a Lawrence Tate lookalike. Uh, I thought he was good. I, his voice, I thought he was very, I was like, is he imitating Ralph Tresvant? And aren't there much better singers you could possibly imitate? <laughs> his voice didn't work for me, but, um. I thought his performance and his partner's performance, I thought they were good. Uh, Anthony Mackie, you know, he's always very... He, Anthony Mackie is the next... I don't know, he's that next Poitier or something. He always has that that presence about him, so I thought he was good. But to me, that overall, there, there was good and bad in terms of the acting here. Um, so I just want to... Yeah, I, I, I would say... I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say that the cop, the one cop, the, the to me, the cop that was really off the chain, he... I was I was impressed by him because I'm like, damn, this dude is putting his foot on it. The the guy the guy um I don't know any of their names, but the guy who was really a racist, the guy who pull, uh, ripped the girl's clothes off or something like that. You know the guy I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. I I I thought he was was good, good in that I hated him. Whereas the other guy, the, okay. the main cop, I thought he was, he came, became a little almost like a cartoonish character to me. Okay, let, let's take a break because I think some of your criticisms are the actual characters and not the actors, particularly Finn. And I want to get into that. And you I call him so Finn. No, get... you notice, notice you call him Finn, though, right? Oh, of course. That's how we know. We call him <laughs> Finn. Uh, so I want to. I don't want to spoil it, people. So let's put the break in here, and we can go deeper into because I have a lot to say about the actions of these characters. Uh, and what was actually going on. I don't want to spoil it. So we're going to take a break here, ladies and gentlemen. We'll play the music. When we come back, there's going to be spoiler time. So if you don't want to hear any more about this movie until you see it, you can stop right here, and we will see you next time on The Michael Dean Show. But we'll be back after this. It's not over yet.
hear me? You need five and ready. Come in. Primary ignition. Red five, I'm going in. Use the false over. Miss computer's on. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It is time for spoilers for Detroit. We're going to get into this movie and talk about the events and the characters. So you have been warned. This is a spoiler warning. Here we go. All right. I want to go back to Finn's character, (laughs) John Boyega. Uh, Now, I have problems with this character's actions. But I'll say this, as I said earlier. He's the kind of cat. That a lot of cats, I see a lot of cats do this. And but he's not a bad person. And I'm giving you an example, and Q, you'll remember this. Early on, when he is a security guard protecting the store that he's working at, he sees a young brother getting hemmed up by the police. And he runs out there to assist. And I think he says, Oh, hold up, hold up. That's my my cousin, or he's related to me, or something like that. Don't, you know, don't mess him up. He just got off work or something. You know, he's, he's a good kid. And the, the police officer, white dude, you know, he's about to get in that ass, right? He's like, oh, okay. He wish you. And it's funny that the young kid's like, I don't know this nigga. I don't know him. <laughs> and he's I'm like, damn, nigga, he's trying to save you. And he's like, oh, no, you know, he's okay. He's okay. He's a good kid. Let him go. And when the police officer, you know, kind of walks like, oh, get, you know, get him off the street. Uh, the kid is like basically calls him Uncle Tom to his face. Like, thanks, Tom, Uncle Tom. Look at him. I'm like, damn. Like, and the kid is, you know, he's hot. And again, this is a this is a riot, some highly racial time going on, 1967. And I think he even says something like, "I'll beat your, ass. I'll whoop your ass," or something. And John Boyega's character said he was on his he was on his Q storm. <laughs> oh, said, whoa. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> He said, I'm a black belt, boy, I'll beat that ass. <laughs> he did say that, didn't he? <laughs> he did. I, I had to laugh. I yeah, like, I, I recommend against that. <laughs> I recommend against that. <laughs> but it was just funny. But, I mean, he was trying to help the young brother by, you know, coming in and being a, a level-headed brother. And, and he has a, a uniform on, security, and he has a gun. So he's kind of gets, he's got a little authority about him. You know, to step to a police officer. But at the same point, the young brother was not really appreciative of it at all. But I say to say this is that you can see that he's a good dude. You know, he's just trying to do whatever it takes to go home. Right. And we've heard this sort of ideology before. But I think it, but it, to me in the movie, it shows how that type of thought pattern can go too far. You know, when at a point do you not go along and say, hold up, this is some fuckery going on here. And once he gets to the Algiers part, his character to me is why I have a problem with him because he sees that this is a dirty situation going on. But he is not, if he's scared or he wants to go home, he's not going to do what it takes to stop this situation or at least say something. Like, yo, this shit is wrong. 
I like that his his presence was there to somewhat check the racist white cops from going super ham. They were already hammed out. But still it wasn't enough. When you when you see that people are getting tortured and you just stand there and be complacent to it, he to me was just as bad as them cats. And you know, there's I, I gotta go back. There was a scene, was another scene that I thought was very interesting and was funny to me. When he's uh doing the security guard thing at that store and the troops, the National Guard show up outside across the street. He's with the, uh, an older black man that's working with them, and he's like, oh, you, you stay here and watch the store. I'm going to go over here and talk to these guys so they don't come and shoot at us. And what does he do? He goes and gets coffee and coffee mug and coffee and a coffee thing and goes across the street. Hey, fellas. You know, and these are all white dudes. Hey, hey, guys. Got you guys. Got you got some coffee. And I'm like, ain't this about a bitch? <laughs> and the white dude's like, oh, hey. And you could, to me, you could see, I, it may just be me. I can see the contempt from the white dude. Ah, you got some coffee, huh? Yeah, all right. Good boy, good boy. You got some sugar? Like, they was clowning. Like, go it get me some like, sugar. It wasn't like that. But you don't think they was clowning when they said sugar, though? You don't think they was clowning when he said that? That may have John Boyega's character. That, that he said, have, don't push it up. There may have been a little bit of clowning, but I don't, I don't think it, I don't think they were being antagonistic towards him. I'm not saying they're being antagonistic. I'm saying they're being assholes. Like they were letting you, they were letting you know, like uh, you ain't getting no real pass here. Like we still don't value you. That's what to me what he was saying to him. It's like, oh boy, go get me some sugar. And he was John Boyega's like, don't push it. But you could see that that was there, and that, and and to me they didn't have his respect. They didn't respect you bringing him no coffee. Like they already know exactly what you're doing. And and I saw I was like, see soft shoeing right there. And even the people he soft shoeing to, they don't even respect you. <laughs> but a lot of cats get down like that. That's why I said I had some problems with his action. But again, he's based on a real dude, so I I have problems. Uh, I guess with the real person, but again, he represents this cats that get down like that. Now we see what happens to him at the end, and that was another situation. I was like, "See, you think you're doing the right thing?" And what did he do? He was on his he was on his ray. Did he save them? Get the white girls out of there? I With the one I dude. I don't remember that. Remember, remember, remember when him and the other, uh, I think it was a National Guard dude. They got the white girl and took her to that hotel room. Okay, remember that. So, no, I, mean, but, he, no said, I, I don't he, remember him. I remember one of the he, white national guardsmen saying, "Let's get them out of here." Not him. Not not uh, the cat. Not not uh, Boyega's character saying that. No, he didn't say it, but he goes along with it. It was it was just him and the other national guard dude that go and do that with that girl. Oh well, that's they a, take I, there's a difference. I think. He he goes along. He's been going along this whole time. Why would he stop then? Well, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm saying that to say he's on his race. So when he even he saves that girl. What did she do when he, and he got arrested? What did, did she save him when he was on the lineup? Well, the movie wasn't clear because they don't they didn't show her pointing him out. No, she picked number four and he was number four. I Right. So My, she picked him. She picked him as the guy doing the kill. <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. All we saw, all we saw was 
her asking him to step forward to see if she recognized him. Then they never they never said if she recognized. Well, that's him. how she got put up on charges because of that. I, I'm saying we don't know that. We we weren't shown that. We weren't shown. We were actually shown that, but I, I'm I'm going to take that as a common sense. Like, why would they? Why would they give you that if it doesn't make it? Why would they? Wait, wait. Let me see if I understand. You're saying why would he be up on charges when they know he was there and they are racist? <laughs> no, but the girl's not racist. Well, that's why. That's my. That's my whole point to say is even she went on cold against him when he was on a lineup. I, and then they make a point to show you during her testimony in the courtroom, she tries to backtrack on that. Right? It's like, oh, no, it wasn't him. And they're like, well, she, you just said... Well, she knows she was wrong. But I'm just saying, when it came down to the point when it first started, all of his little actions got thrown out of the window because she was on cold. All I'm saying, Mike, is all we saw her do, all we saw was the, the lieutenant say, number four, step forward. We didn't hear the girl say... That's him. Make him step forward. We didn't hear the girl say he's the one, and I, that's a problem. That's a problem. You, I have. Do, you do hear her, but you do hear her contradicting her that supposed statement in the courtroom. Because what was she contradicting herself about then? I didn't, I don't remember I the dialogue exactly, but I don't remember walking away thinking she was contradicting herself. Well, that's I think, what that, I think the the prosecutor. On her about it. I think the prosecutor was twisting her words around. I don't remember thinking she was contradicting herself at all. Maybe well, I'm wrong. I, I don't remember. I don't, well, but I don't remember I, that. As I remember it, I do. Okay. You don't remember it, but I do. Hashtag because I say so. <laughs> you just said you don't remember it, but I'm saying I do. So you, you don't remember it, but I do remember it. All right. All right. But, but yeah, man. So his character was very interesting to me, man, because it just goes to show you you have to make a stand at some point. And even a cat like that, where you have some sort of authority, he becomes complacent to that. And he's a brother. And he and he's a good dude. But I just this is where I think it just showed to me where a lot of cats have good intentions. But you you know, at some point you have to like stand up and be like, nah, this shit ain't right. Like even and of course I'm not even talking about those other police officers. They all complacent into it. You know, everyone, hey, pull, uh, we're going to pull out. This is a, this is a Detroit PD thing. I ain't go, I ain't going down over this shit. <laughs> I was like, damn, you know, they don't give a fuck. But, uh, <laughs> oh, I know, I, I'm gonna, I'm going to let you talk, but I just want to bring up one last character that really was funny to me. Uh, the character played by Easy E, I have to call him Easy E. What's his name? Anthony Mitchell? The, char- Jason, the character's Jason. name? Jason Mitchell. Jason Mitchell. Jason Mitchell. AKA Easy. He is a type of brother. <laughs> um, this is the type of nigga that like playing games and then want to act stupid when the shit get real. Because to me, it's his. He didn't want to start all this shit. Right. He got he got a starter pistol. He want to be on some. Oh, let's teach the police a lesson. Let's shoot this gun off in the air. They ain't gonna know who did it, nigga. Like, nah, man. They got National Guard out there, homie. They ready. They, 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 this is, <laughs> you already know, this is 1967. They getting in niggas' asses. <laughs> what are you doing? Nah, man. We gotta let them know. They ain't, they can't play around. Make, I'm gonna take this gun and put, 
Okay, let's go back to smoking some weed. Ah, ha, ha, ha. And now when the police light that goddamn hotel room up with bullets, he acting like, what's going on? Why are they shooting? <laughs> why, why, <laughs> why are you using the <laughs> same... <laughs> Mike, why are you using the same voice you used talking about War of the Planet of the Apes? <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was in the theater. I was, man, I was like, this nigga right here, man. Always a motherfucker playing games. And didn't want to act like he don't know what's going on. And that's why I was like, oh, so when all the shit broke off, once again, when his dumb ass going to start running off, I'm, I'm out of here, I'm running. What happened? He got blasted. And it was sad, but I was like, that's a dumb motherfucker. That's what happens when dumb motherfuckers playing around. Yeah. You can't be playing with these cops, man. They're not playing games. You don't be going to fire off no gun, and then don't be surprised when they fire back at you. I was, I was like, this nigga right here. Ah, he had me heated. Because a lot of this shit didn't have to go down in that manner like that. Even play, don't be playing games with these people, man. But as I say, this movie got me in my emotions, but I want to let you talk about some of the things that you want to talk about. Go ahead. No, I mean, I I can just expound upon some of the things that I said, and um, I wish we could get Sean more involved in the conversation, because uh, I, I, I'd like to hear his perspective, too. <clears throat> um, the main problem I had with the film, as I said before, was that I thought the screenplay was, was overwrought. That's the best word I can come up with. When you have... <clears throat> there's a scene where... Um, the main cop, I'm going to look up their names, but the main cop, um, uh, the, the, the main guy, he sends this one stupid motherfucker back into the room and says, you want to shoot one? You want to kill one? Because, you know, mm. since we're spoiling, they, the, the, one of the torture, uh, one, of, one of the things they use to torture the kids is they pull, they pick a guy and they pull him into a room, just like they didn't negotiate, Sam, like Sam Jackson didn't negotiate, they shoot and then they come back out. They tell the guy, don't you say a word or we'll shoot you for real. And then they come out and tell the other kids, well, he was shot. He was, he's dead now. Somebody needs to talk. <clears throat> so the main guy, he he tells his other cat, you want to shoot one? Dump. I mean, this dude looks like a, a hayseed. <laughs> and he takes the kid. I mean, it's really, knowing that it's real, it's not, you know, it's not funny. But he takes his one kid, the probably the most innocent of all of the kids, back to the room. And I, I did feel something here, I, you know, um, cause, and that to me speaks to the kid as an actor. He was begging for his life. And the kid hadn't done anything. And the guy actually shoots him, not knowing that they were just supposed to be threatening them or pretending to shoot. And then he comes back out and the, 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 the main guy says, yeah, did you kill him? And the guy says something like, yeah, he'll never speak. He'll never talk. He says something makes it clear he did it for real. And I was right. like, ain't this so? <laughs> I knew just, he was going to shoot him, though. It was I, just, I, I, it was kind of, the way it was written, I almost laughed. It was like a comedy. And then when the guy goes into, the main guy goes into the room and sees the kid lying there, he comes back out. Now, these are racist cops. And the, and then the, the, the main guy says, uh, whatever his name, Johnson. You know, we weren't really shooting them. That you weren't supposed to shoot them for real. Oh shit! Oh shit! How are we gonna get out of this? Oh my god! You shouldn't have really shot that kid. That's Sean. That's the kind of dialogue that was written 
Well, you know, now, 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 you well. putting that extra, you, you putting extra spin on. Come on, guy, that, that motherfucker was acting was, his ass off. It was there. like, it <laughs> was, but of course, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the screenplay in front of me. But believe me, it was to that level where it was so like we have to explain to the audience that this cop didn't really mean for anyone to get killed or shot. And there's another scene where um, that same cop. Uh, their lieutenant, their sergeant, whatever he is, he's saying, I'm going to deal with you guys and I'll deal with you later. He tells it one by one, the cops have been sent to his office. So the main cop, so he's like, fuck this, I'm leaving. He gets into a squad car and the, the sergeant comes out, hey, get your racist ass out of that car. I'm like, oh my God, really? Nah, and, <laughs> and, and you know why? You know why he says it like that? Because this movie is, in my opinion, this movie wasn't really made for us. This movie is made for white guilt. And I think as much as I love this movie, and I think in terms of the movie itself is masterfully done, the intent of this movie, and it, it, it's not made, in my opinion, this, made, this movie was made not to get at you or me per se in my opinion it's made to get at white people uh because it's it's so like uh a reflection back on them it doesn't even deal with the the blacks are purely victims right and which I have, a, which I don't like seeing that. I mean, we're tired of seeing victim so, black movies. So we're tired like- of seeing slave movies that are victim Mary. Uh, not that they, not to say they're not well done, but it, we're not the heroes in this movie. Right. So, Mike, it sounds like you're having the same problems with the screenplay that I am. Well, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with the screenplay. I think the movie's masterfully done. Okay. I just I think it's not written or made for us. It's written for other people, aka white people, because that would be a different kind of movie if it was directed by Spike or. Or, or or Fuqua or somebody like that, but I think the way that this movie is framed is framed to make you feel sorry for the blacks. Well, I, I will say this: I don't know how you then call this movie a masterpiece because then a movie should be written for all people. I, I would no, no, no. That. I don't. I don't think that a, a movie can be written to any audience. It needs to be written. I, there's black movies that are not written for. That are just written purely for those who understand particular things in the culture. It could be a, still a brilliant movie. It just has a limited audience. Uh, I, I, I think, I, I, yeah, I think the movie yeah, but, is okay, executed yeah, well yeah. done, right? Okay. But again, Sean, I don't think it's it's made for a particular audience, in my opinion. Sean, yes, you you brought up Get Out. I think that's a perfect example. I don't think that movie was necessary. I mean, black people are going to identify with it more, but at its heart, it's a thriller and a horror. Well, not so much horror. I'll classify it as horror. It's not, not not a lot of horror elements in it, but it's a horror thriller, and I think horror thriller at its base, no matter if you had just a black horror film, I, white people would be able to identify. They may not be able to identify with certain aspects of black culture, but the things that would make us jump or recoil or gasp or laugh, white people would have the same reaction, I would think. So that's but what I think. But I think at its at its core, there there I guess I would say hidden things that only black people would get, but that they, they are in, in in Get Out, you know, for example. There's a lot of things in there that that we get that white people won't get. You know what I mean? 
That, so and that, I, right. I agree with so, you. Go ahead. Which, which is the same thing you could say with a lot of, uh, I hate to do it this way, but there's a lot of movies that are written that don't include us at all and are not written to our cultural norms at all. But we identify and we can always watch uh, a Friends or anything and it's a comedy or something so we can sort of all identify with it, but it ain't targeted toward us. They, they even don't even include us in, in a lot of things. It's not to say that it's not good. I'm just saying I think Get Out is Get Get Out and Detroit are the same way. It's written, in my opinion, written for a particular viewpoint. Uh, but but I, my problem is that I don't see why you have to write. I, I you can you can plot certain scenes or certain actions that speak to our culture. But why do you have to write a certain to a certain culture? For example, I mean, we may have different vernacular or slang, mm-hmm. but I mean, I don't see why you have to. You don't have to say. Hey, get your racist ass out of that car. I know the guy's a racist. Or white people would know the guy's a racist. What so what you could just say, just get get out of the car and get back in here. Where do you think you're going? You don't have to make a point in the screenplay to say this he is a racist. <laughs> that's well, the, I, I agree, but scene. a lot of screenplays do make a point to do these types of things. They want to make sure you get it. And they're bad. They're bad screenplays, in my opinion. In your opinion, all right. I agree. And then another another scene. I mean, I, I can't remember all the scenes for the, for the purposes of this, but oh yeah, there's two other scenes I bring up. There's a scene at the beginning which I thought was so corny, um, where the guy, the dramatics, are going to go on stage, and then uh, they have to the the MC at the last minute announces that everyone has to go home. the The show is over. And the guys were there to sing. I guess there was a talent scout in, the, in it from Motown in the audience, and they were going to sign a contract if, if they liked their performance. And so, since mm-hmm. the show gets shut down, uh, you know, the dudes, the guys, are like, "All right, uh, Larry. I think his name was Larry. Larry, we get another chance, man. We get another chance. Come, on, we got to get out of here. We got to go home. I just wanted to sing, man. You know." And then he goes to this total bullshit moment that's supposed to be feel good or something he goes out i, I love that he goes out and starts singing to an empty audience to an empty house and i'm like i don't really need that to understand the guy's disappointed that is so corny then there's another scene at the end where we see this one character i don't know what his role was in terms of he's somehow he's related not necessarily blood related but he has some relationship with the dramatics so he gets caught up in this whole stuff that's happening at the motel with Larry, the lead, the singer, <clears throat> and he's he's one of the biggest. And I'm not faulting them whatsoever, but he's one of the he's one of the main guys who's like really crying and upset and scared. Right? He hardly says anything uh, throughout the whole incident where they're lined up against the wall. So he's terrified. He just wants to get out of there, right? So then, at the end of the movie, spo- we're spoiling. At the end of the movie, uh, the main racist cop brings Larry, the singer, into the room where they initially shot the guy with the starter pistol. I think his name was Cooper, right? And he says to Larry, what do you see there? Because at this point, the cops realize they fucked up when they actually shot a kid out of no defense, uh, with no defense, so the cops realize we got to get out of here and clean this up. And these guys have to, we don't want to shoot anybody else, but they better shut the fuck up. They better not say anything. So he brings this guy in there and says, 
What do you see there? And Larry, he gets he gets the he gets the cue. Uh, I don't see nothing. And then the guy the cop says, "Then get the fuck out of here. We know where you live. Don't say anything." And Larry runs, leaves his man behind. I Larry went out like a bitch, though. I, I, I know. I, I I felt kind of that way too. Uh, and then he goes and brings the other guy, the one I was telling you about. Uh, he brings him in, the one who was pitifully scared. And I don't hold that against him when I say pitifully. Just he was really scared, terrified. And the cop says to him, "What do you see there?" And this, Sean, I'm paraphrasing, but the the, the impact is the same. He says. I see a dead body there that you cops shot. And then the cop looks, the cop looks at him again. The cop looks at him. And and the actor, the act, well, I don't know his name, but he has these Joker-like eyebrows. <laughs> he just looks like a cartoon character. He gets these he gets this evil Prince Namor arches in his eyebrows. He says, "Now I'm going to ask you again. What do you see there?" A dead man that you shot. You killed him. You shot him. That's right. That's right. But, Mike, what I'm saying is the problem I have is I know good and damn well that's not how it went down. It's like it was overemphasized for Well, we don't know that. We don't don't know that. Well, I mean, if you're a human being and you are crying, sniffling, scared, traumatized throughout the whole overnight, throughout the whole incident, all of a sudden you're going to jump back to a cop that has a gun on you? Actually, he didn't. He wasn't scared the whole night. Remember, he he was the one that said, "Sir, can I say something?" And he stood up. He said, "You got the wrong house." Yeah. When everybody else wouldn't say nothing, he was the only one who actually did speak. I think you forgot about that. That I don't think that makes him any braver. Well, I mean, it goes to show that. Well, I'm just saying, you, when you're, you're painting a picture, he says nothing. But what, but what about the part? He what about the part where Larry? Only, what I'm about the, saying? He's the only one who actually did speak. Okay. And this was before that incident. So if you're just going to say it, you got to say it right. Let me counter that with this. What about the part where Larry says, where the cops, I forget, they they leave the scene for some time, for a minute or so. Mm -hmm. And Larry says, let's get get out of here, man. Let's get. He's like, no, no, I don't want to. No, no, no. Right. They're all scared. He, they frame him as being the, he's the, Larry was the guy with the game. Remember, he was the one talking to the ladies wanting to get him laid. So I'm you set that. it up that he's already funny, but I'm saying they show you earlier that he did speak. It wasn't just all of a sudden he just said, I don't, I see a dead person. No, he did speak earlier than that. I think there's a, well, I, I don't, that to me is not convincing enough to, to, for me to say, well, that's, that's why That's why he would I, all of a sudden. I, I'm not saying it's convincing. I'm just saying you, you forgot that part. That's all I'm saying. No, I didn't forget that part. What I'm saying is I didn't bring well, it up. Did. I, Mike, come on, man. What I'm, I'll let you talk. I, I am coming on, man. I, no, I'm just saying that you, you didn't. Me off. You said that you said okay, go ahead, right. Man. You said it was you, what you said was inaccurate because you said he didn't say anything the whole time. I'm I didn't saying, say that. Actually, no, I did, did, I did not say that. I did not say that. Only, I did not, well, I'm just saying he was the only person who did say something earlier. And I'm saying what he said was simply, "May I speak, sir?" That does not indicate to me that he all of a sudden has enough courage. At any point to say to a cop who's holding a gun against him, making it clear he's going to be killed, that if he doesn't say, I don't see anything, that he's not going to be killed. And he's going to use that moment to jump back just because he said, may I speak, sir? No. And again, neither one of us know if that actually happened. So I understand. I understand. But I understand we I don't understand. know if it happened or not. I understand, I understand you. 
Mike, this was my moment to say what I think. You keep cutting me off. I know you disagree with me. But what I'm saying What I'm saying is that that was not strong enough for me to think he was gonna all of a sudden grow a backbone when it really counted. Okay? Got it. We got it. So my problem is that I thought the script was just a little bit it pushed where it didn't need to. And I, sure. I, I don't need you to do that. I'm smart enough to know how to feel at a certain time. And that's why I think this, this movie robbed, the screenplay robs this movie of allowing me to feel somewhere. And plus the fact that it jumps all over the place in terms of perspective. To me, the story that really gripped me was John Boyega's character. His story. If now, had, why is that? I can tell I don't know why. Joke. I don't know why. Because, I, mean, I know you. I was joking. I know you. I was joking. joking. I want to answer the question anyway. So no, you don't have to go into. Wait, I wasn't. Really but I want to speak though, Mike. Damn, I want to speak. Can I speak? In your feelings, man. No, because you, keep, it's a little aggravating when you keep cutting me off. Go ahead. I'm just, I'm just with you, man. Go ahead. Ah, oh, Sean, it's a good thing you didn't see this movie, man. <laughs> Uh, go ahead, go ahead I man. Feel, I, feel like, I, I feel like I feel like I'm the dude singing, and he's a white cop. <laughs> right, just just go ahead though. We we got you. When they brought John Boyega into the uh, interrogation room, to me, that was like, oh, okay, I see how this is going down. And, th- and those cops, oh man, they were so smug. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I want to see how he gets out of this. Right, and then so then. To me, it's like, well, damn, if they if if that was part of a scene in the film at the end, I wish we would have seen the whole story through his perspective, because what they do is at the beginning, it makes it seem like it's going to be through the singer's perspective, which is fine. But then all of a sudden they introduce us to all these characters in this one room where the guy starts with the starter pistol. And I don't feel anything for those characters. I just felt like, boy, that's an ignorant Negro for doing that and getting them in this trouble, just like you were saying. So for mm-hmm. me, the whole point of that, I didn't feel, I, I felt very little when they were lined up against the wall. Because I'm like, I kept thinking, that dumb motherfucker got them into this problem. Okay? Right, right. I if, I had, mm-hmm. if they had developed those characters in that room a little bit more, then I could, I probably would have felt a little bit more throughout the film. Otherwise, as it was, I felt, okay, go ahead and shoot him. He deserves it. Okay. And these other kids, ah, well, you know, I, I don't feel anything with any of y'all because I don't know y'all. I kind of, I felt something for the singer because they developed his character a little bit. But then they bring John Boyega right. in, and I'm like, I really want to know more about him. Forget about the singer now because he's just up against the wall. John Boyega is able to move in and out of the storyline. Mm-hmm. So if that makes any sense. So then when he got to John Boyega's character in the interrogation room, and they don't even explain what happened to him. We see him get locked up. Right. Then we, when they're in the trial, I'm like, okay, well, no, wait a minute. Oh, okay, so John Boyega's on trial, this bullshit trial, when we know he didn't do anything. Oh, wait a minute. No, wait. Those are the three cops. Oh, so they on trial. Mm-hmm. Well, why is John Boyega there? When, what happened to his trial? And they don't explain what? that. And we see him. I'll let you finish. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, I'm going along. I know. You're on a roll. You're on a roll. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> <laughs> then we see John Boyega really get into his fin. <laughs> he goes outside and throws up and looking all pitiful and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I just didn't feel what I wanted to feel for any of these characters. 
and for the reasons I'm, I'm laying out here. And I know I'm going to take some heat with that, but that's how I feel. It could have been a great movie to me. Even with Hidden Figures, they built those characters up. It was corny at some points, and it, it goosed at some points, but I felt something nonetheless. I didn't feel anything with a lot of these with a lot of these scenes. With some of these scenes I did, but a lot of them I didn't, and I should have. All right, we got it. You didn't feel anything. You, you laid it out. You laid it out. Um, again, I would double back to say I think the reasons why you didn't feel anything, and if you look at sort of the reactions from the media and the other reviewers, you know, the prominent reviewers and stuff, why they felt something, uh, I just go back to what I was saying earlier. Because those people that you would love to see more story about, they weren't the focus of the movie. And the movie was the focus of that event was the focus. And I think the point of view of this movie is to show that they were victims and you're supposed to feel sorry for them. You know, and it's and again, I don't think it's a conscious effort that they're writing it this way. But this is just if, if you have sort of blinders on and other stuff doesn't really matter to you. This is just how you. Why do I have that blinders on? Damn! Why do I have that blinders on? Well, I'm not talking about you. I don't know why you <laughs> okay. got. I don't know why you got in your feelings. That's the telling in itself. But anyway, let me let me say because you you referenced me. That's why. No, no, I wasn't talking about you. Okay, Mike. At all, I wasn't okay. even talking about you. I was all I was right, talking about right. the filmmakers. Okay, all right. man, it's okay, brother. We're not coming for you. So, <laughs> the filmmakers. <laughs> sorry. They have blinders on. I'm not saying they're doing this on purpose. And uh-huh. They have all the great intentions in the world. But again, in my opinion, this movie is showing blacks as the victims. And it is showing it to white people to say, look at the fucked up system that we're in charge of. And this is what we did to them. Their personal lives, to go deep into explaining some of the stuff you mentioned, you mentioned, Q, I don't disagree with you, uh-huh. but I understand that they don't care about that. <laughs> their intention is to show them as victims. Their personal lives, they don't matter in real life. They're certainly not going to matter in this movie where we're going to just overdwell into you know, that particular character arc. We're more concerned about what happened and who did it. So right? why did they spend and, some and, time? And, well, I, let me... Yeah, thank no, you. Go ahead. And, and why... This happens, and we should be ashamed. This is a shameful event. These poor people who were innocent, just want to show you enough that they're innocent and good people, that they went through this horrific incident. To me, that's what the movie's doing. It's not really delving into, because it's not really about all those people in the way you're describing it. And I agree with you. But that's why I think the movie does what it does for that particular reason is it's not about those people. You're right. It doesn't show clearly the thing about uh, John Boyega's character. But again, I don't think they care. They only care enough to show that title card at the end of the real character and just tell you a couple of sentences of what happened to him. Right. Okay. It it does. It it just wants you to be shocked by the events that happened at the Algiers and it was shameful and you should feel sorry for those people. That's to me what this movie is made for. Then why do they go through all the all the uh, exposition of showing um, the the dramatics practicing and going on stage? Why do they show after that all the exposition of uh, they spend fifteen minutes showing Larry living in poverty uh, in the cold, and then he he goes to a church to get a singing. Why do they go through all that if it wasn't written? 
if it wasn't if it was written for white folks and they don't care about the black characters. Well, I don't have any problem with this show about Larry. I was just ad- addressing your concerns about John Boyega, which they don't show a lot of his backstory. They, it, to me, the to me the actual the only character they really ever show in depth is Larry's character. Which I don't know if that's because the real life Larry who's still alive probably consulted or they was actually sat down and got to talk to him in depth, and they decided to kind of flow with him. Plus. I think, and I did some reading about this. A lot of people, well, the general public, and myself included, no one knew the dramatics were ever being a part of this situation for all these years. Right. So I think they're sort of using that as well. Like, oh, well, here's another something that we can use. Let's put this in here, and we can follow, have him be in this whole thing a little bit. But yeah, all of the characters are not fully explored. But I didn't expect them to be either. But I understand your point. I'm not arguing your points. Hey, Sean. Sorry, I'm not I'm, trying to. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Uh, are you finished? I'm sorry. Seriously, I'm not trying to be funny. I didn't mean to do that. No, go ahead, Sean. Okay. Sean, oh, are you there? Yeah, Okay. My question is, so <laughs> why do, why does it make sense to you that, and I know you haven't seen the movie, does it make sense to you that you show John Boyega's character. I'm gonna get this dude's name. I'm tired. His character was Dismukes. I think his name. His character was Dis. Yes, Dismukes. I'm assuming you pronounce the S. Why do they show um, Melvin? That's his first name. Why do they show Melvin? They give him 20, 15, 20 minutes of story time at the beginning, where they show him saving a young black youth uh, from being uh, uh, harassed by the cops, and then that black youth calls him an Uncle Tom. They set up that. Now, to me, that's a story right there. Okay, Th- this character who is walking the the, dis- the walking between two different modes of thought, being like Mike said, get along. What is it? Play along to get along, or whatever, and being perceived as a sellout by his community. Okay, so they established that in that scene. Why do they go through all that trouble to establish that in that scene? Why do they go to the trouble to show John Boyega um, uh, bringing them coffee? Why do they go to the trouble to show? Uh, John Boyega going upstairs trying to find the gun so they can get out of this situation and bringing down beer to the cops, you know, contraband. And then why do they show? Why do they go to the trouble to show John Boyega being being in a lineup and then being put in jail and being set up by these cops? Not set up, but being uh, a suspect by these cops and making me, the audience viewer, say, "Oh my God, okay, he got caught up too. How's he going? How's he going?" And then they don't resolve that. Does that make sense to go through all that setup? And, and I know you, I know you haven't seen the film, but what I described to you, which is pretty much what it was, <laughs> which is pretty much question. no, no, it's not leading. I described. It's kind of ridiculous. Well, I'm asking him. He know. Well, Sean knows about movie narrative structure. Why go to that trouble and not pay it off? And I want to involve Sean in the conversation too. Okay. Uh, well, did uh, wow. That's that's kind of a loaded question, though. Did they? <laughs> Did they follow up on everybody, all the main characters? They fo- no, they followed up on the lead singer of the the singer of the style. They spent a lot of time after the event on him, and they they gave John Boyega maybe five minutes to get him on the lineup in the interrogation room with the cops. Well, not, no more than five minutes. They gave him like ten minutes maybe in the interrogation. They really build that up like he's going to well, be. Well, here, can, let, let me jump in this to give another side of it. They do what they do in a lot of event movies, Sean. They have a, a large cast of people. 
right? But of course, they never go all in depth at the end to show what happens to everybody. Yes. They do give him a title card at the end. And you, you see that, well, again, I think either one of us would be disingenuous to try to explain the movie to him in this manner, but they do show him a conclusion in terms of he didn't get charged. You know, they sort of seem to walk away from this court trial, and at the end, they tell you what happened to the real person. Well, then, that, that isn't that tying up what happened then? Well, what I'm saying, they t- so you, I don't think it's appropriate to show me these actors going through this scene or going through this uh, this part of the narrative, and then we don't see the we don't see how that's paid off in the the confines of the film. We get a title card at the end, so that really there's no there really is no need to show me anything about Boyega after the incident is wrapped up. And cause all you got to if you're going to do that, if you're going to go into anyone, they go into Larry's character, the lead singer. Then don't show me Boyega and then not pay that off. Just pay off Larry. All right, we got it. I, I, I'm gonna I'm at the cut it because we're actually running a little long. I hear you. We hear you. Q, I think you made an excellent point. Uh, everything you had to say. Uh, we're running a little past our time, so we're gonna chop our banquet. Just kind of repeating ourselves. Listen, <laughs> uh, go see this movie. Go check it out for yourself. You've heard our opinion on it, but what's your opinion? Uh, I implore Sean to see the movie so he can give an informed opinion on the movie as well. Uh, I think, Aunt Poo, are you in here? Yes, I am. Okay, did you see the movie? No, I did not make it to it. Okay. Yeah, this is one of them ones I would say go see. It it definitely uh, have you feeling something. Uh, Whether you like the movie or not, you're going to think about it. But there you go, Detroit. That's our review. We appreciate y'all listening. Real quick, we'll go around the room. Q Storm, man, where can they find you online? You can find me at <clears throat> on Facebook, the Red Shirts of Star Trek Podcast. You can find me on podcastjuice.net uh, uh, with the Red Shirts as it's being sponsored by Podcast Juice. We're going to put up a new a new show next week where we compare Star Trek Two and Star Trek Three. You can also find me at real r e e l q storm dot com. At QStorm3476, at RedShirts1701 on Twitter. All right. Uh, Aunt Pooh, where can they find you? Find me on Twitter Instagram at Aunt Pooh. All right. Mr. Sean Hill. All right. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Hill Street Views and Facebook under Sean Hill as well. And the blog is still up, but has been updated with new content, but it's still up. HillStreetViews.blogspot.com. All right, you can always check us out here at podcastjuice.net. Also, if you haven't already, join our Patreon page. Get on board, new power, new podcast generation, goddammit. Get on there, check us out. we got exclusive content. This is your way to support the show, patreon.com slash podcastjuice. Hey, work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Peace.